0: Good morning again. We're uh, continuing our series, actually picking back up on our series this week called The Resurrected Life, or it's actually called The Lazarus Project, and living the resurrecting life, the resurrected life that we see in the life of Lazarus. And today we're going to be unpacking, continuing that sermon series. So I didn't plan like a special uh, coronavirus message. If you want that message, that was last week, and it's about How do we live as people of faith in a world of fear? So if you want to go back after the service, check out last week's message. We covered that. But I thought, you know, we also have to go on with life. We have to go on with our faith. We have to go on with living our lives not in fear but as people of faith and as as people who understand and know that we are resurrected and we have the hope of the resurrection. So we're going to be talking about that this morning, continuing that this morning, and talking about new life. So I've actually... I want to uh, invite somebody up this morning. His name's Jet uh, Krasner. I've asked him to join me on, on the platform this morning and share his faith story with you. Um, the reason I ask because I think of when I think about a resurrected life, a new life, someone who's experienced new life in Christ, I think a jet who uh, came to our church over two years ago and the things that God's been doing in his life. And so I'd ask him just to come and share with us uh, what's been going on in his life as he's been following Christ. So uh, welcome, Jet. Good to have you up here. Thank you. Good to be here. Um, So just kind of set the stage for us and remind, uh, share with us and with everybody online, like what was, a little background on your life, you know, what what your life was like before you became a Christian. Sure. Um,
1: So I was actually raised as a Buddhist when I was little. Um, and until I met my stepdad, and he started basically raising me as a Christian, so I was kind of believer, but not really a true follower, kind of thing. Um, and I was very stubborn. Um, I was also very prideful and judgmental, just because of where I grew up. And I don't want to blame that on my culture or anything, but I was just the way I am back then. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: So. so you came. So you kind of brought that. So there, but there were some things that happened in your life that kind of brought you to our church one day and I to tell us what was going on in your life and what kind of brought you here
1: Yeah um so being stubborn and prideful I always worked on a lot of things like um I was very proud and I had a really good job lined up for me after college. I was just always buying things that impress people and all that stuff. Just pridefulness, you know like um, and then eventually um, one day um, there was a government budget cut and I lost my job um, and that kind of threw me off because now I couldn't afford my rent, my loans, I couldn't just, just couldn't even spend money anymore. Um, and also later my motorcycle was stolen so now I have nothing and I'm proud of that I'm owning and all that stuff. Um, and then um, I lost my biological father to Lung cancer that same about the same time all of this is happening. Um, and then my ex left me um, within all of this time, but that was wow. probably better um, anyways um, and then at that time, I just didn't know who to go to. My parents were also going through a lot. I didn't want to burden them with all my problems either. Um, my none of my friends were really supportive at that point either. Um, I just had to deal with things on my own, and I just didn't know where to go. I was, I was really angry, and to the point that I couldn't even be angry anymore. I was just depressed. I just yeah. didn't know who to go to. Yeah. I, and then, so, so what did you do? I, I basically just decided I turned to God because um, I knew he. I believed in him. I just, you know, yeah. I'm like, let's let's see, like if I can get help from God. So I walked down to church. Walk down the church. Sorry about that. Um, and, you know, because I live two blocks away. So I walked down the church, and I try to open the door, and the door was locked. And I'm just like, not you too, God. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> um, so um, I didn't give up, though. I just walked around and went to the back, and that's when I met Pastor Bonnie. Um, and um, I asked her, like, is the church closed? Can I go in and pray? And she's like, oh, no, it's open. We just locked the door. for security reasons. They don't want we don't want yeah. any homeless person to come in and sleep and stuff like that. So I was just like, okay, um, can, can can I go? And then she just took me to the prayer's chapel, and we prayed together. And that's when I just yeah. broke down. I just told her everything that was going on in my life. Yeah. And she asked me if I wanted to be a follower of Jesus. And then right then I said yes. I'm, I, I yeah. threw everything away in my mind. And she just made me a disciple then, and right when that happened, I just, that's that's
0: why I came. (laughs) So what changed inside of you when you did, like, what happened inside of you? What did you experience when that occurred?
1: Yeah, so right after um, she made me a disciple and everything, um, my weight just got lifted out of my chest. Uh Um, I was able to think. I can feel my heart beating, I can breathe, I can smell. <laughs> like I I just wasn't worried and the only thing in my mind at that time was trust God. Yeah. And I read the book of John as my, uh, Pastor Bonnie told me to. Um and then throughout my whole reading I just surrendered my whole my whole mind, Amen. My, Amen. Most yeah. my whole stubbornness, my whole Yeah. my pride. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it wasn't real. Like it's yeah. it, all, all of it was just in my mind, and all I need to do was
0: just trust yeah in my life. so, so you begin to immediately experience this peace come over you right that you experience as a result of just kind of surrendering to God and God's God in your life right stop the resistance the stubbornness, and now I'm like, I'm just gonna let God in right yeah. and that's what happened yeah, so that's cool and,
1: and I, mean, uh, I mean I mean yeah. I forgot this part but uh, <laughs> Right after all of that happened, um, I left the church, and um, my motorcycle was so. The fact that my motorcycle was stolen, I claimed the insurance, and the insurance told me that my bike was worth three times more than I bought it for. So that's one miracle that happened right after I left church, Um, because now I can pay my rent, I can eat, I can (laughs) afford to do stuff, right? But um, I still didn't have a job, obviously, because I lost my job due to government cut, and I just kept following. You know the word, and kept mm-hmm. expressing, but I wasn't worried. I just knew that I was in good hands. And then eventually, I was baptized yeah. um, a couple of months later because it happened right. Was it right after, Ash, Ash around Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. Wednesday yeah. yeah, it yeah. was right on Ash Wednesday, um, and then I was baptized. And then now I got a job with a Christian company. Um, we make apps for churches, um, and we gave a tool for churches to reach out to communities via technology, and I'm now an engineer working yeah. for this place called SubSplash.
0: Yeah, Which, and yeah, we won't plug SubSplash, although we use them, but we're all yeah, right, right. <laughs> Um so uh, but tell us, so just the last question, just to kind of help you, so that happened two years ago, basically about two years ago, so what's life been like for you since then, like what's changed?
1: Yeah, so um, now I'm not stubborn. Um, I listen <laughs> to things that people talk to me about and give me advice about, and I'm no longer prideful either. I don't really yeah. mind what people think of me because right. I yeah. just know I was in good hands. God right. is always there. And yeah. the one thing I know that I could just trust.
0: Yeah, you know. and that's I asked you this before, but so if somebody were listening right now, and was in that place that you're in, stubborn, resisting, not ready to give their lives to Christ, what would you tell them right now?
1: I would say just trust. Trust God. And being prideful is not even worth it because eventually things will, your bluff will be called. Things (laughs) will literally just not go your way. Nothing is really in your control. Hmm. So just trust.
0: Amen. Amen. Can we give... Jet, a hand for sharing. Thanks. Well, thanks. I just appreciate Jet sharing his story with us because really what we see in Jet and what I thought of, as I mentioned already, is that this new life, he's been experiencing this new life in Christ that we hope for everybody. You know, even us who've been Christians for 20, 30 years, we still want and desire that new life that God calls us to. So we're going to unpack that this morning. I'm going to start us in a book of Romans. If you're at home right now, you might want to pull out your phone and look at uh, your Bible app, or if you have a Bible somewhere near you, go ahead and grab it. We're going to actually be looking at a passage out of Romans chapter 6, and I'm going to give you, we're going to take it in three chunks this morning. I'm going to give you three snapshots out of the book of Romans chapter 6. We're going to be in chapter 6. So if you're in your Bible this morning and you're not familiar with your Bible, maybe it's the first time you're touching it for a while, it's okay. We're, we There's no judgment, there's no Bible police around here or whatever to check on that. But just pull that out. Go to the back of your Bible in a section called the New Testament. There are four books called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then uh, Acts comes, and then the book of Romans. So that's where you're going to find Romans this morning. We're going to go in chapter six, so look for a big six, and then we're going to start right in verse one this morning, and uh, you can go ahead and go there. But here's what, and it'll also hopefully be on the screen for you, so you don't have to do any of that. So we made it easy for you. So here's what it says in Romans chapter 6. I'm just going to read the first four verses and then unpack it, and then we'll jump in a little bit again. So what are we going to say? Should we continue sinning so grace will multiply? Absolutely not. All of us died to sin. How can we still live in it? Or don't you know that all who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, right? So that just as Christ was raised from the dead... So just, uh, oh wait, I messed up, didn't I? Therefore, we are buried together with him through baptism into his death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too can walk in newness of life. So I want you to pause there, and I want you to grab onto that phrase, walk in newness of life. Because that's the first snapshot I want to give you about the resurrected life. Is that when we experience the resurrection of Christ, when we stop resisting as Jet was saying and we surrender our lives to Christ, we begin to walk in new life. We have been given new life in Christ. We're not walking in our old way of life. And you, Jet illustrated that beautifully about how he had changed because of that. And he was walking into this new life. It was like a, like a 180 degree reorientation for his life. And actually, that's what I want to unpack a little bit this morning, because I believe that God is working in your life today. I believe that God's always working in our lives, no matter where we're at in our relationship with God. So I want to give you kind of three, snap, three um, things to think about. So God's grace is available to us. That means that we get something we don't deserve, that we're forgiven, even if we've rebelled or resisted, that God still cares for us and calls us into this new life. So there are three ways that God gives us grace. And there are three ways that we talk about in the Methodist church. The first way is that something called a prevenient grace, which is just a big word that means that God prepares us. There's this preparation that goes on. You could hear that. Jet said, you know, I, my, my stepdad was a Christian, and began to expose me to, to what it meant to be a Christian. So that was actually God preparing him for the moment that he gave his life to Christ. And so there's this preparation that God does in our lives. And so it's like, uh, like god 's trying to speak into your life, this has been my experience. I heard it in jet maybe it 's been your experience but when god 's spirit starts to speak to our spirit, we start to sense that there 's like this other uh, a divine invasion is happening that god 's trying to get our attention i 've heard some people refer to it as you know I needed a, the god 's holy spirit smacked me up the head with a two by four I heard one guy describe it that way one time, but he said, you know it keeps coming in, but our natural inclination as human beings is actually to resist. We, we feel this other coming towards us and speaking into our lives and wanting to come into our lives, but we resist it. See, that's God's grace trying to break in. That's God's grace trying to come in our lives. And naturally, just like Jet and others, we all naturally want to resist that until we get to the place where we actually surrender to God's grace and love in our lives. And when we do that, that's the grace that changes us. That's when our life goes from running away from God, rebelling against God, and we do kind of like a 180 degree turn in God's direction, and we start to orient our lives to God. That's called the grace, something we call justification or justifying grace in the church. This is where we're put right with God, God no longer sees us as a sinner. God actually sees us in Christ and sees Christ in us and views us that way and loves us that way. And so we're changed people. And again, Jet illustrated that beautifully. And then there's one other thing. So once we do that, this is where Romans comes in. So I'm all telling you all this to get you to Romans chapter 6, because when we walk in newness of life what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter six is that we're actually to walk in this new life and that's the grace that God gives us to grow us spiritually, to continue to help us to follow. And I love that, that Jet didn't just quit, you know, like he got forgiven and then he walked away, right? He didn't do that. He didn't like say, oh, I'm done. You know, I got my ticket to heaven. But he said, no, I'm gonna stay in relationship with God. I'm gonna keep walking with God as much as I can because I now have given my life to Christ. And so when you do that, that's the grace that grows us. And we call that in the church, sanctifying grace or the the grace that changes us and keeps changing us day by day and we walk in newness of life and it actually has to become a habit that's the key whenever you see the word walk in the new testament especially when paul's writing i want you to think walk means form a habit form a practice right walk in newness of life practice newness of life figure out habits that will give you newness of life right so think about it this way. Remember the first time you got behind the wheel of a car? Do you remember that moment? You remember when you were, uh, got in the car for the very first time, you know, someone handed you the keys and you put them in it and then you're sitting there in the car and I remember that moment for me and I was just like overwhelmed. Like I, you know, there's a steering wheel I learned on a stick shift, so I got a, this thingy here in the middle, and I've got a clutch. I had three pedals, a gas pedal, a brake, and a clutch, and I was always worried, you know, am I hitting the gas pedal or the brake pedal? And then I've got a blinker I've got to worry about, and i got headlights, and then there's radios, and heat, and all this stuff going on, and, and uh, all these different buttons, and you're sitting there for the first time, and you're feeling overwhelmed by all the things you have to pay attention to. And then, not only that, you have to pay attention to all the other drivers on the road, and how fast you're going, slow you're going. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember that moment when you were just overwhelmed at the steering wheel, right? I think sometimes when we come to Christ, we are like new Christians, and we're like, oh wait, I've got to do all these things to get my life together, and I've got to figure all this out, and it feels very overwhelming at that moment. But what happens is that you change because, as a driver because you practice it. You keep getting behind the wheel, no matter how nervous you feel, you keep getting behind the wheel every, every day or day after day after day. And the more you do it, the more it becomes second nature. The more you practice it, the more it becomes a part of who you are. That's what it means to walk in newness of life. As overwhelming as it feels at times, that if we just keep practicing day by day, daily, this walk, will eventually become second nature to us so now you know if I get in the car I can drive my car I can have coffee I can have a conversation or maybe you've experienced just driving home you know like from work or something and you don't even remember driving home have you ever had that experience where you just don't even remember it you just show up and you're like how did I get here I don't even remember driving because it's so second nature right it's a part of who you are it's intuition uh, and you got there. And that's the way Paul wants us to have this newness of life, where it becomes second nature to us. But the key to getting to that point is practicing daily habits of no longer being a sinner, but considering ourselves dead to sin, resurrected to this new life in Christ. So that's how that works. So snapshot one is you and I are, have a new life in Christ. Snapshot two, let's jump ahead. Romans chapter 6. We're going to read the next six verses, starting in verse 5 to verse 11. Now it says, if we were united together in death like his, we will also be united together in a resurrection like his. We've been talking about the resurrected life. This is what we know. The person that we used to be was crucified with him in order to get rid of the corpse. That's like Paul is saying, you know, like this dead body, get rid of the deadness, right? That had been controlled by sin that was actually killing us and destroying our lives. that That way we wouldn't be slaves to sin anymore. Because a person who has died has been freed from sin's power. But if we died with Christ, we have faith that we will also live with him. We know that Christ has been raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. He died to sin once and for all with his death, but he lives for God with his life. In the same way, you also should consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive for God in Christ Jesus. So here's the point. Paul says all that to get to that one point, (laughs) that we have this new identity. We're dead to sin and we're alive to God now. When we come to Christ, when we experience that grace, that life-changing grace in our lives, we are no longer uh, under sin. We are alive to God. And that gives us that new life as well. So actually, Paul says this a couple times in the passage, that he talks about this new identity, really, that we need to be taking on. That we no longer see ourselves, and I think this is something I hear in the church a lot, you know. We refer to ourselves, even in the church, as sinners, you know, I've even said that, you know, I'm a sinner in need of God's grace. We say that all the time. We, we, it's somehow we, we've taken on this identity as sinner and we've forgotten that we actually are not, that's not our identity anymore, that our identity now is alive to God. We're, we're dead to sin and alive to God. So I want you to think about that uh, concept because uh, that's the new the snapshot we want to give you. Second one, we have this new identity and start to live into this new identity Uh, I just started reading a book called Atomic Habits, who our worship leader, Ed, uh, uh, told me about and gave me a copy of. So I started reading it, and uh, one of the things they talk about in terms of forming a new habit, which was what we're talking about, new life, if you want to form a new habit, it's not just about changing the behavior. You actually have to change the way you practice, which we talked about, like driving the car, but he said there's even a step before that. And I think we have the graphic there for that out of the book. So if you see, if we want to change the outcomes of our lives, we have to change the processes that lead to those outcomes. But here's the key. Notice that in the middle of it all is our identity. We actually have to believe that we're that identity. We actually have to know that that's our identity if we're actually going to change. So if you want to be a healthy person... Think of your say to yourself i 'm a healthy person, right take on that identity if you want to be a christian say i 'm a Christian. you know if you want to not be a sinner anymore say i 'm alive to god i 'm not a sinner i 'm dead to sin i 'm alive to God so it 's the same identity idea. you know I find this to be true in my own life in other areas, so when I grew up, uh, I was in, uh, in school, I learned to ski in middle school, and I was a part of the ski club in high school and so you know if you had come to me and say, Matt, are you a skier? I would have said, yes, I'm a skier. That's my identity. Went to college, got a job in the ski industry, selling skis, which was great because then I got all the top of the line equipment. I think I even got, we got some of the even the, the coolest outfits, you know, back then. That was some of the cool outfits I got to wear. Cool, you know, skis and, and I got to do all these things and I got to get everything wholesale price. So I had top line equipment, top of line gear. And I got free lift tickets, which was wonderful when you're in college because you can't afford it. And so they you know, sales reps are coming to me, hey, go ski on, on us, you know, and I like, okay, great. I'll go ski on behalf of you. That'd be great. So, you know, it's like getting sponsorships, you know, and so I did all this in college and then I got married and I had kids. And when you get married and you have kids, certain things start to leave your life, right? Like skiing. So I stopped skiing. Uh, We stopped skiing, and and actually, as the kids even got older, we never got to expose them because we just financial reason, we couldn't afford it, it's expensive, I don't get my wholesale prices anymore, so we stopped skiing. But if you had walked up to me during that time when we had stopped skiing and said to me, Matt, are you a skier? I still would have said yes, wouldn't I? I still would have identified as a skier. And you know the beautiful thing about it is that a couple weeks ago, my wife and I went skiing at Crystal Mountain. And we got out there on the slopes and it was like, we're back, you know, like the kids are out of the house and now we can go skiing again. You know, we have time, we have more resources. We didn't have the resources when the kids were little. And so we were able to do that. And it was like, it all came back to us, you know, and sure enough, I got going down the hill. It all came back. The turns came back The speed. And I just, I wanted to go a lot faster than I probably like in my twenties, but now I can't do that anymore. So, but anyway, I'm still a skier, right? It's still a part of who I am. And I would say to you that we have to remind ourselves that we are Christ followers, that Christ lives in us. That's our identity. And that will lead to different practices and different habits and different ways of being. But I want you to think this morning is what is your identity? What is your identity right now? Is it sinner or alive to God? Is it out of God's purview or are you in Christ? What is your identity this morning? Snapshot two. Snapshot three. Let's look ahead. Three more verses in Romans chapter six. So then, this is what Paul says, so then don't let sin rule your body so that you do it at once. Don't offer parts of your body to sin to be used as weapons to do wrong. Instead, present yourselves to God as people who have been brought back to life from the dead. Resurrection, right? And offer all the parts of your body to God to be used as weapons to do right. Sin will have no power over you because you aren't under law, but under grace. I want you to hear that again. You aren't under law, but under grace. Think about this. Not only are you, called, you and I called to a new way of life, and do we have a new identity, but third, we have a new leader, <laughs> we are no longer under the law. Think about it. We are under grace and that changes the way we are in life. Uh, the best way to explain this is that, you know, when I was in elementary school, I had, I was in fifth grade and I don't, my fifth grade teachers were like just, I don't think they liked fifth graders to begin with. So I would show up in class So my friends would show up in class and my homeroom teacher, which was my main teacher in fifth grade, she was always like laying down the law, you know, and, and telling us what we were doing wrong. And she was always wagging her finger and shaming somebody for doing something wrong and shame on you. I've actually heard her say that phrase multiple times, shame on you. And so I think about how she shamed and was very strict and, and really, she just didn't really like us. I got the impression that this is a teacher that doesn't like fifth graders. I don't know why she was teaching for grade, but she just didn't like fifth graders. So then, you know, I, I enjoyed the afternoon because I got to go over to math class in another teacher's class. But I don't think he liked—I don't think he liked uh, kids either. Because uh, one day I'm sitting in class and I'm doing a math problem in math class, and all of a sudden, this chalkboard eraser—not a dry erase eraser, but a chalkboard eraser full of chalk dust—comes out at me out of the corner of my eye, and hits me in the head, and chalk dust is flying out, and I get hit in the head. I'm like, "What did I do?" And then the, the teacher was so mad. I mean, the teacher was literally livid. Because the guy next to me was goofing off. And so he wanted to get his attention. So he took the eraser and he flung it as hard as he could across the classroom. But he missed the, guy, missed the guy next to me and hit me in the head. And I think about this moment. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, do I get to sue somebody now because of this, right? But this is just my upbringing, right? You, you do that today in a classroom and you lose your job probably. But that's what it was like. And I thought to myself, do these teachers even want to be here? Do they even like us? I think sometimes when we're under law, we look at God that way. We look at God and we say, God, are you just all about me behaving and doing the right thing and under this law? And are you just going to punish me and throw erasers at me when I do something wrong? Right? I mean, that's like under this regime of law. I, and some of us look at God that way. We look at God as like this law, uh, you know, and laying down the law, right? Shame on you. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says we're not under that regime anymore. We're under a brand new regime, a regime of grace. Now, fast forward to sixth grade. My sixth grade teacher was a beautiful woman who loved to teach sixth graders. And she was always taking care of us, looking out for us, and she was very compassionate towards us. Now, here's the thing she had rules. She had boundaries. She had structure. She still assigned homework and expected us to do homework. She still had, expected us to sit still in class. She expected all those things of us, but she cared about us. She loved us. She loved teaching. She loved being in the classroom with us. She loved having us around. And you know what changed in us? Is we wanted to please her because she loved us. And so we wanted to do what she asked us to do. We wanted to do our homework because she cared about us. We wanted to do it because she cared about us. She actually liked us. And we were under what I would call a regime of grace. (laughs) Because that's God for us. When we see God as a God of grace, then we'll start to behave differently because we want to, because we want to please God and we don't want to sin anymore. So there's a shift in us as Christians, as resurrected people from fear and of punishment to I want to please God because God loves me and cares for me and offers me grace. And even if I make a mistake, God's grace is still there for me if I get it wrong. See, that's how it works. We're not under a regime of law. We're under a regime of grace. And so we please God. We follow God, as Jet Illustrated as well, because we love God and God loves us it's a love relationship, it's compassion, it's grace that we're under. And we live under this grace. I think the best way to sum up this idea is to tell you a really short story. And that is about a drunk man. He was a drunkard. And there was a knock on his door one day. And so he goes up to the door, he opens the door and there stood Jesus. And Jesus said, can I come into your life? And the drunk man said, yes, you can come in. So he opens the door, invites Jesus into his life, closes the door. They sit down. They're having lunch at the kitchen table in the man's house. And as they're discussing and talking and being in relationship together and fellowshipping together and having lunch together, there's another knock on the door. The drunk man, in his wisdom, says to Jesus, you get it. So Jesus gets up from the table, goes up to the door, opens the door to this knock, and on the other side of the door is the devil. The devil standing there at the door. And the devil sees Jesus in this man's house. And here's the devil's response. I must have the wrong house. Sorry to bother you. And he leaves. When Christ is in your life, know that when sin comes knocking, Christ is there. And sin no longer has power over you. That is your new identity. That is your new leader. That is your new life in Christ. So if you're watching online, and we're going to pray in just a minute, and I would say to you, you heard Jet's testimony, you've heard Romans 6, but I would say to you that if you're like Jet right now, if you're in a place right now in your life where you've been running from God, where you've been resisting God in your life, I want to invite you to pray just as Jet prayed and ask Christ into your life. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And if you feel that, uh, go into our comment box right now. Let us know online or connect with us through our our app on a connect card. Fill out, let us know. We want to know about that. We want to pray with you. So we'll find a way to do that uh, after the service. But I want to bring up, so if you're gathered, so that's one thing. So if you're in that place that you find yourself like Jet, I want you to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ, to experience this new life in Christ as well. And if you're already there, maybe you're trying to figure out how to walk in this new life and you're gathered with your family right now in your home, you're watching this online, maybe you're somewhere else. I wanna give you some questions to begin to think about and discuss where you're at right now. So here are the questions I wanna offer you. And you might wanna just, because they'll come up on the screen one at a time, maybe pull out your phone, camera, get your camera ready, maybe take a snapshot or grab a pen and something to write down right now. So here are three questions Uh, I want to give you for you to discuss at home. The first one is this. Do you have a clear sense that you are a new person in Christ? And what are the reasons you sense this? Do you believe this? Do you know this, right? That's question one. Do you have a clear sense that you are a new person in Christ? What are the reasons you sense this? Number one. Number two question is this. What identity issues are you currently struggling with in your relationship with God? How do you see yourself in relationship to God? And is there an identity issue there? And how does Romans 6 help? And maybe unpack Romans 6 with the people around you with this question as well. Go back to the verses, look at them. And then the third question is this, third and last question is this: What steps are you taking to live this new life in Christ? Or what steps would you like to take? Because maybe you're not taking them yet, but you're thinking about, oh, I need, I want to take some new steps and form some new habits and get this new identity. So I would invite you to talk about that as well with the people after you get offline here. But for right now, let's just pray together. God, thank you that you call us and invite us. And you actually knock on the door of our heart and mind and you want to come into our lives. And Lord, there some of us have been resisting that. We have been pushing you away for too long. And it's time for us to surrender. It's time to say, come in. We invite you in, Jesus, into our lives. And I pray for anyone right now online who's giving their lives to Christ right now. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be poured out into their heart and mind and that they would just give themselves over to you and just experience the peace that comes with surrender to you. That whatever's going on in their lives right now, they would know that You they are your child, your son, your daughter in Christ. So Lord, I pray that you would impress that upon their spirit right now. And I also pray, God, that you would be at work in our lives as we discuss these questions, as we think about our identity and that we are dead to sin and alive to God. So help us to be people who are alive to God today. We wanna live for you because you love us and we are no longer under the law, we are under grace and forgiveness and we have a God who wants to be in our lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.